Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi everyone, it's a new week and of course that means a new gig pod. It's episode 151 and we're going to mainly be talking about another one in Tanadice. That was a Phil Collins gag of course and it's fitting because it's the great man's 72nd birthday today. What a guy, truly a legend. Speaking of legends, myself, Stevie, is joined by Rizzo to talk Dundee United now Celtic 2, a result which keeps us 9 points clear at the top of the table. John? Hello. <laughs> Hello, Stevie. Hello to all our listeners. Yeah, thank you for comparing me to the, the great Phil Collins. And let me just say, when we get together to do a podcast, there's definitely something in the air tonight. Boom, boom. That is satire. But hello to all listeners, as ever. Well, i got to say, John, it was against all odds that you turned up on time to record tonight, but there we are. We're going to be talking Dundee United now, Celtic 2, for the most part of this, for the next 20 to 25 minutes or so. Ange and the team, not for the first time, made me look like a real idiot. It was a good one yesterday. It was. For some reason, I sort of slightly shared your concern. I mean, I'm, I'm not as panic-stricken about Celtic as you are, as your text about the Cup final will attest, but we'll not talk about them. No, I mean, I suppose it's always a lower probability there's a chance that Celtic could drop points. But, I mean, out of the three games that we're playing this week, the one that really concerns me most is probably Livingston because they're such a stuffy nightmare team to play against and the gears hard times at home. We had a, a hard time against them while we hammered them. I mean, the last couple of times away from home, we've, we've pumped them, so we've, we've got that out of the way. We know how to win at Livingston again. So that was really the one, and I'm going to hit as well, which will be fun. That's the one that I think will be the hardest. I mean, I think St. Johnson should be comfortable enough. And yesterday, I mean, Dungeon United didn't really offer much. The thing is that they're not actually a bad team and they're in decent form. And they've got decent players. I mean, Dylan Levitt's a good player. Stephen Fletcher, I think, is still a decent player. 
but they were really dull negative side. No as bad as Aberdeen that game in December, which was just anti-football nightmare. And really, the game was about a known event after we scored that second goal. Like the last 60 minutes, the last 30 minutes, I mean, after 60 minutes, little of anything happened. O came on, and I mean, they put a great chance on a plate for Dyson, but that's about it. I really thought it was a, a pretty dull game. I, I, I mean, it was a good one as usual, but I mean, we can play much, much better. And I wonder if Ange said to the players after the game, like he did the last time we played Livingston, that you can play a lot better than that. And hopefully we'll see that when we play Livingston on Wednesday. But I mean, I really didn't think it was much a game at all. But we got to win and that's the most important thing to know. On our Instagram, about an hour or so before kickoff, we predicted the lineup and we went with the team that Ange went with. Joe Hart and goal, Greg Taylor, Back in the team that you found out on Friday, John, that Taylor and CCV were available for selection again after you did your press conference with Ange on Friday afternoon. So they two were in the back four with Starfelt and Alistair Johnston. Moy, who's undroppable now, um, and we'll go into him a wee bit later again, alongside McGregor, Real Hitati in midfield in the front three, of a bad in the right, Kyogo up front and Jota on the left. You know, I was really 50-50 on Dyson and Jota, but inspired selection by the manager because I thought Jota, first, I mean, even before his goal, John, Jota was just unplayable. The first half, he was just so confident. Um, I think that Dundee United right back, what's his name? Was it Freeman, wasn't it? He gave away the penalty to. Uh, it tore him apart. He was just incredible in that first half and he put in some excellent crosses that, amazingly, you know, if we had somebody like Gigi, our own playing um, from the start, we would have been 1-0 up. Jota joined in that first half and his selection overall was inspired by the manager. Just excellent to see him back in form again, isn't it? It was. He's, he's back to his best. He had that sort of quiet spell when we came back for the World Cup. But in his last three games, I was looking at the day, he scored two and got an assist as well. He got an assist in the last league game. He scored against Kamala as well when we beat him 2 nothing. But I thought he was absolutely brilliant against Dungeons United. It was one of his best performances of the season. It was like Joe at his very best. As you say, Freeman couldn't handle him at all. It was just the guy made, made his tick. Him, Moy, and Cal McGregor, who made his 400th appearance, I thought they three ran the game for us. And I know we're going to talk about Moy later on, but I mean, that was one of Jota's really best performances of this season. And he's back in form at just the right time. I mean, after Christmas, a lot of players were playing well, but I thought he, I mean, after the World Cup, he just didn't really look up for it. And he's, he's like, no, played every game. I mean, he obviously didn't play against Morton last week. But that was really what Joe is all about against Dungeons United. I mean, I know, I know they're not the best opponent, but you need to just be who you're up against. And I thought he was excellent. He was unlucky not to score more goals than he did. But he got an all-important first goal, and he was one of the best players in the park for us. And with so many big games that we've got, and we've got a lot of them coming up in the next month, we'll need him to be at his best. And he'll need to be at his best to stay in the team as well. I mean, Abad had another his best game, I thought Dyson was decent, although he did miss an absolute setup. So you need to play well. And and I mean, don't forget Haksabanovic as well, who we've talked about. We're not actually sure how well he's playing. So you need to actually play well to keep your place in the Celtic side, especially on the wings. Even a guy like Jota, who's one of your best players, and he's shown the new that he's undroppable. And I'm definitely sure that he'll start on Wednesday and he'll start on Sunday as well. I mean, okay, it's three games in a week, but. After the all night, you kind of drop him, but then it wouldn't surprise me if Ange did rest him because 
Andy's that kind of manager. And you can't criticise Andy for that because he's been so incredibly successful for us. But, I mean, if it was up to me, Joe, I would definitely be playing on Wednesday and Sunday. The first half was quite non-eventful. We were well on top and we were camped inside Dundee United's half. And, you know, when I'm watching these games, whether it be, you know, at the matches or with yourself and Hamish at the pub for the away matches and everything, like, sometimes I, I, can, I can be a nervous wreck because I'm worse when I'm, I'm a lot worse when I'm not at the game. And I can't see the off the ball running and everything. And, you know, usually when I'm at the game, um, when I can see the defensive shape was set up and everything like that, I'm a lot more assured um, and I'm nowhere near as panicky as what I'm when I'm watching on TV. And yesterday, though, I never got panicky once. Like, I never felt like Dundee United, you know, for the first five minutes, it was obvious we started really well. And I never really felt that Dundee United had anything to threaten us with, even from like a, a set piece and, you know, even with VAR and everything, they just didn't seem determined to uh, cause us any problems. Um, we completely strolled that from the first minute to the last. But it was weird because as much as we were dominant and we were completely in control, we never really gave the goalkeeper much to do. And that goalkeeper did else is a dud as well. We'll come on to him a wee bit later on. And then on the, what was it, like five minutes or so before half time, we got awarded a penalty. Now, John, we were both messaging each other frequently through the chaos that unfolded. Thanks to the great Don Robertson in VAR. So, what was your shoot opinion um, on that event? I thought it was a penalty. And I'm not just saying that because I'm Celtic minded, as they say. I mean, not only did uh, Baragiti wipe out Kyogo when he punched it, but the defender shoved him out of him as well. So, one of them should be apparently the shove, more than anything, I'd say, should be apparently even more than a goalie coming out. I mean, if a goalie comes out and like takes out a strike kill, I mean, that can happen at times. But no, did that happen? But Kyogo got shoved at him as well. So, in my opinion, it should have been a penalty. But of course, I wasn't surprised that it got rescinded. But I mean, it just tells you that. I mean, I don't want to talk about referees. I'm no Stephen Gerrard. Don't want to say like to send eight point emails crying about referees' decisions, wanting guys not to referee their matches. Don Robertson is a rubbish referee because he didn't give that blatant handball in the second half. I mean, we'll know. We'll, we'll talk about that when we go to the second half. But that handball with Freeman was one of the most obvious handballs you'll ever see. And he missed it and he had to check in VAR. When the referee goes over to check the screen, he usually changes his mind. Unless it's Willie Colm at Ibrooks. But, I mean, I thought it was a penalty and I'm not just saying that. But when you look at the penalties we've got and the penalties we've conceded thanks to good old VAR this season, that should have been a penalty. So, in my shoot opinion, as they say in the wrestling biz, I think that was a penalty. I agree with you, John. And, you know, watching that, Everybody was focused on the goalkeeper, right? But it was a defender pushing Kyogo. That's what I picked up on as well. But if you watch the goalie, yes, he followed through with his right hand to punch the ball away. But with his left hand as well, he actually makes contact with Kyogo. Like, it's like a split second just before it. But there's contact there. You know, you're celebrating getting the penalty. We're having a laugh about it. And we're actually saying amongst each other, I wonder how this one's going to get called off. And then, I mean, amazingly... You know, the VR screen comes up and he runs over to the touchline to check it. And we just, there wasn't even anger. I think it was just an exasperated sort of frustration at that point And we just sort of laughed about it. And I did think it was a stonewall penalty. Especially, John, when you look at the penalty Rangers got against St. Johnston um, at 0-0 the day before. What was good about it was in the second half, we really came out with a good attitude from that. We, again, as I said, didn't feel sorry for ourselves. And we played the same way like we did in the first half. And then we get the goal. And what a goal. It was a bizarre goal as well. But 
It was a moment of absolute genius from Aaron Moy out in the right wing. The ball into Jota was just so accurate. It was pinpoint. It took the goalie right out of the game. I mean, if that is happening to something like Joe Hart, though, I'm fuming at it. Like, it's really, really poor goalkeeping. But the ball in for Moy was exceptional. And shout out to the finish for Jota because it was from a ridiculous angle. He anticipated it so well. And I was surprised that it turned out to be Jota's goal because watching it on TV, you thought... That's just went right in, um, off the post or something, and then off the other post. But when you saw the replay of the way that Jota managed to put it in, it was like real impossible angle stuff. We're talking about goals from like mad angles against Dundee United, like the Larson one in that cup semi final when like Sutton got the ball in out of nowhere and Larson just headed it in the near post, and it was like a bullet past. Um, I think it was Alan Comer or something at the time. I think you remember the one I'm on about, John. But yeah. It was just an impressive angle, um, and it was a real good time to get that goal as well. It was a sort of 50-50 weird slash brilliant goal, because the way the goalkeeper positioned himself was odd. Like it, I think he must have thought the board went out of play, so he just completely stood still. And like you see, I remember that Henrik Larson header against us United, the diving header, that was a, a fantastic goal in Scottish Cup semi-final, I think it was 2001. And Larson scored another goal for a ridiculous angle. It was Dunfermline when he took the ball around the goalkeeper and put it in for an acute angle. But it was a really good goal by Jota. I mean, I know we are concerned about his only having two strikers, maybe. But with things like that, him getting in the box to score, I think Angel think, oh, well, we're okay. We've got the likes of Jota, Dyson, even though he missed a sitter, and a badder that can contribute. But I think that a goal like that will make Angel think we've got enough goals in the team. But Aaron Moy, what a man. Fantastic cross in. Completely bamboozled the goalkeeper. And of course, Moy had a big part to play in the second goal as well, which we're talking about now. The great Don Robertson somehow missed that handball by the Dundee United right-back Freeman. Uh, Jota flicked the ball on, and it was the most blatant handball you'll see. I mean, even just watching it on TV. I'm sure anybody who was at the stand behind the goal could even see it clearly. Um, Robertson was only a few yards away. Somehow never gave it. But Aaron Moy... Um, as you say, John, what a guy. Stepped up so clinically. Uh, Dundee United goalkeeper was trying to do mind games with him. And I think after you've conceded a goal like he did, the last thing you want to do is try and uh, play mind games with Adam Moy, who's in the form of his life at the moment. With Moy, you just get a real confidence and assurance that he is going to like, sort of clinically put that away. And he did. And what's good about it is getting into that final, John, we've now got a recognised penalty taker and there's every possibility that that game will go to penalties. So we need as many sort of skilled penalty takers in the team as possible now. But Adam Moy is definitely our default penalty taker. That's his third, I believe, in his Celtic career. It might be his last, who knows, VR might never give us another penalty again, John, but hopefully they do. Um, Even the the, the readers of the IFAB rulebook, that uh, football rulebook so beloved that the press and fans opposition clubs up here must have realised that it was a stonewall penalty. It was uh, the most obvious penalty of the season since the one we didn't get at Hearts or the one we didn't get at Ibrox. It was so, so obvious and Don Great Referee Robertson just didn't give it. Don't know how. Well, because he's a rubbish referee. But I just don't know how he didn't get it. But Aaron Moy, enough about the the referees until the next podcast. But Aaron Moy is just actually he's our best player winner, which I can't believe. I know you always, to your credit, you always say to be a good player for us. I was a bit unsure just because he's age really, and the fact he hadn't really played that much football. But he's so good, and definitely, and I said it in the last podcast. He's definitely on your strongest team at the moment. He's definitely one of your best free midfielders. A guy like Matt O'Reilly, who I know a lot of people love, and 
he's created like he's the top assists. He's either the top assist creator at Celtic or in the league. He kind of get in the team and rightfully so because Aaron Moy's so good now. And as you say, he is finally we've got a another penalty kick taker now that JJ is left and he's just excellent. Nothing phases him, as you say. I mean, that goalkeeper had cheeky head playing mind games after that ridiculous blunder. Yeah, Moy wasn't phased by that at all. I mean, he took it in his stride and scored. And I think the World Cup has really helped him as a player. I mean, I know that it might have tired some players out. They had to play the four games for Australia. But I think that gave him a lot of confidence because he was one of Australia's main men. And Australia did really good in the World Cup. I mean, they pushed Argentina all the way. And I think it's had a big impact in his form for Celtic, and he is brilliant now. I mean, he should win player of the month for January. He probably won't. I mean, they'll probably get to, I don't know, Ryan Kent or something because he scored a goal against us. But Adam Moy is the man now, and he's definitely, uh, probably I'd say, he's our best midfielder now. He's one of our best players now, and I didn't see that coming when we signed him. Uh, during the summer but you did so well done to you thank you brother right so the game is over at 2-0 um, we make a host of substitutions and at that point we've pretty much settled for that result um, and you know it was just a case of seeing the game out and we did but we uh, shout out to O who made his debut when he came on and John he looks a great player we don't go overboard after a cameo appearance when you're already winning 2-0 in a game you know when it's all done and dusted and everything but I'm going to go on record now and say O is going to fit in so well. Battling with the Dundee United players, he was linking up the play. He just looked as if he really wanted to get involved. He was so enthusiastic. And you saw him out at right wing. And what a ball he put in for Dyson. I know you said that Dyson should have scored. Um, I personally thought the bounce sort of was a bit of a tough one, to be honest. And I've seen better players miss easier chances for Celtic. I'll give Dyson the benefit of the doubt. I've seen a lot of comments where people are slaughtering him for the miss. It would have been some assist for him all. But no, I don't think that you can criticise Dyson too much just for the pace of the ball and the fact that he probably didn't expect two Dundee United players to miss it and the fact that it bounced right before he could stick the nut on it. I'm going to say uh, it wasn't a bad miss. It was just a bit unfortunate. But O looks to be a cracking purchase from the manager. He does look good. I mean, it's very, very, very early on, as you were saying. We don't want to go over the top. But you can see he's the type of guy that Ange would love because he's a striker that works hard and gets his seat on different positions. I mean, being on the wings is the sort of thing that Hugo's done for us loads of times because like, it allows other players to get in the box. And I suppose, as you say, we'll give Dyson the benefit of the doubt. And it was dead windy and that affected the game in the second half. I think that's one of the reasons the game was so pretty. The game was so boring after we scored the second goal. But no, he looks really good. He's a looks a really strong guy, and good to see that he's already got a bad decision against him. When he got fouled, then he carried on, and then the referee went against him. So good job, Don Robertson. He looks good. Still early days, but I think he'll have he'll have an impact definitely for the rest of the season. Because if he wasn't going to be involved, Andrew would have started him, and he did. So I think he'll definitely be involved on Wednesday and the weekend as well. So. Maybe if we're comfortable against Livy, which hopefully we are, he can get sort of similar game time the last 20 minutes. Right, so before we go, John, some news coming out of Celtic Park. It looks like Gigi finally is away. Now, we said on our Instagram on the 8th of January, we did that whole thanks for the memories part. I don't think me and you had any doubt that Gigi was going to be away at some point in this month. Looks as if it's going to be on the transfer deadline day itself and he's going to be going to Atlanta United it looks like they are going to be announcing it this week at some point um, we'll talk more about Gigi on the pod in more detail probably like we did with JJ in a future episode 
But John, I'm just going to put you on the spot here. What was your favourite GG goal from his time at Celtic? Oh, he's winning against Dundee. That was a vital goal. I mean, people forget that that game could easily have been a, a right fuck-up buzz, especially when you consider the Rangers had dropped points to Dundee the day before. And he'd already scored two more in the last five minutes. We were go- nearly dropping points against the bottom of the league team at home. But he stepped up with a great heater. And that goal just sort of exemplifies his time at the club. And I know we'll talk about him more in a future episode, but I thought Gigi was a good player for us. And I'm pretty well pretty disappointed he's left. But I mean, I knew it was always going to happen. Three and a half billion is no bad, I suppose, for him. But I thought he was a good player for us. I mean, hopefully O scores as many important goals as Gigi did. But my favourite goal by far was that winning goal against Dundee because it was so vitally important for us. But here's one for you, John. We have now gone 19 domestic games unbeaten since that defeat against St Mirren in September. Yesterday, it was the 50th win in 61 Premiership games under Ange Postacoglu. He has reached that landmark in the same number of games as Brendan Rodgers. It's only actually Martin O'Neill that's done it quicker by two games. And Callum McGregor, who was faultless in midfield, that was his 400th Celtic appearance and I'm going to ask you now, John, regarding Callum McGregor, right? What has been your favourite Callum McGregor goal in his Celtic career so far? Uh, I would say the third against Rangers when we hilariously beat them 5-1 in 2017 when uh, Brendan was our manager, when he delayed his shot for absolutely ages. And I was thinking he's going to mess this up, but he managed to get it in the bottom corner. I think he scored three goals against Rangers. I think no, two were at Hamden. I may have missed one out completely. But I oh know I think he scored four. I think he scored at Celtic Park as well. We beat him five nothing. But no, that's my favourite uh, McGregor goal. He's been brilliant captain for us. Yesterday I thought was, it was just sensational. He ran the midfield. He was constantly winning the ball back. He's so massively important for us, and hopefully he'll be lifting some more trophies to add to the two he's already won as Celtic captain over the next few months. And finally, John, we are in action during the week against uh, Livingston. Great team. Very. Uh, free-flowing and definitely not managed by an absolute villain. And I'm not even going to talk about his latest part in the papers as well. I just don't actually hate talking about David Martindale, man. The guy is a complete nuisance. Regardless, he's done very well with Livingston this season. That said, um, I hope we trounce him on Wednesday. Shoot prediction time. I'm going to go with Celtic 2, Livingston 0. What are you going to go with, John? The exact same. Celtic 2, Livingston 0. And I don't think it'll be a, a pretty game to watch at all. And never is it Celtic part against them. We're stuffing hard to break down to their credit, I suppose. I mean, they've got no fans. I don't know if they've got much money. Yet they're always top six and they'll be easily top six this season. And I'm going to the game. I can't say I'm looking forward to it that much because it's Livingston and they're no easy to play against. But I mean, if we just be sensible and keep creating chances, we should get the win. And I'm going for Celtic 2 Livingston now. I suppose we'll do a pod if there's any incoming players tomorrow on deadline day. There might be some outgoings. I mean, we've read that Stephen Welsh could be going to Sheffield Wednesday, but I mean, I think that's just paper thought myself. I think we're going to actually really need to hold on to Stephen Welsh, especially with Boris Jens away now. He's playing for Schalke. Um, Abelgard and Gucci, they're just sitting there, never going to be getting a game for us, but I don't know if we'll bother getting rid of them or we'll just have to wait to the summer. Abelgard will be getting back anyway because he's only on loan from Ruben Kazan. Got no idea what's really going to be happening, but if something major does happen, we'll do a podcast uh, and we'll react to it, I suppose. But 
John, cheers for coming on. I'll let you go and I'll also let you say bye to everyone. Thank you, Stevie. Yep, thanks everybody for listening. You can find us in all the usual podcast places you know by now and give us good reviews and ratings, etc, etc. We'll maybe be back, who knows, very soon with a transfer window special. Depends if we sign him or anything big happens. But if not, Stevie and our old pal Spunkphone will be back to review the Livingston game and no doubt talk about the transfer window as well uh, this week sometime. So, thanks everybody for listening. We'll speak to you all soon. Good luck to Celtic on Wednesday and hail, hail. Network. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Went. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.